You're listening to a sermon audio from Cypress Church. You can listen to more sermons on our website or by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. We hope you enjoy the sermon and invite you to attend one of our services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Buenos dias. Bienvenidos a la Iglesia de Cypress. I just got back from Mexico. Excuse me there. We had a great trip. Just a quick report on our Mexico trip. It was wonderful. Uh, um, you can see us there raising the wall on the house we built in four days. And then on Friday, we did um, some like one-day VBS type thing. And so it was, it was a great time of ministry. Um, your Faith Promise Funds went to fund that. It was a great time to be together as a team. Dan Punkai is over there. Um, wave, Dan. Dan was the leader of the team, did a great job. Um, his, his nickname, as we were waiting for him to get ice one morning, we were pulling up behind him at the uh, convenience store, and my son says, what is the Punkai doing? And so, um, so he, now he's known as the Punkai. Um, but um, so anyways, it was great. Uh, we had a fantastic team. We had a great connection with the pastor, and they're, they're serving in a very difficult place, and to minister with them was wonderful. Um, and then also to, to build a home for a family who's a family of five in a small house. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, great event, a great trip. I encourage you to go next year. If they can find someone with my skill level, they can find something for you to do as well. So I want to encourage you to go there. And when we were there, we went with Yugo. It's a great organization. And they were just talking about the different things they have going on. And one of the things they mentioned was something that happened, and I think it was this week, um, Pastor Martin, who spoke at our missions conference here on this campus, funny, humble man, has lobbied, I, I started crying, has lobbied for years for the Mexican government to open the United States and Canada to adopt Mexican children. And this week he succeeded. And so... Um, so um, I wasn't planning on crying at all, let alone this early. Um, but but um, so that was just, that's amazing. You, you, you just an amazing guy, and you would never think he was there moving mountains. So praise the Lord for that. Um, I don't know how to transition. Um, so if you look in your worship folder, there's no notes. So I don't know if expectations are set pretty low or what, <laughs> that they're not expecting anything noteworthy. But no, we had a little mistake. I was out of town, and so we had a little, little mix-up on that. So um, yeah, anyways, so that's just what happened. Just one of those things that happens occasionally. So, um, so okay, I was a wrestler in high school. My freshman year, I was on the junior varsity squad um, at 122 pounds. I weighed 117 pounds, but when it came to challenging for varsity, the 115 pounder was just way meaner than the 122 pounder, so I figured I'd get beat by the guy who was a little nicer. And I liked french fries, so I knew I wasn't going to stay there. So, um, you know, as your freshman, you're learning things as you go. You're building your identity as a wrestler. So it was near the end of the season before I, w- I went to Tahoma High School. We were wrestling Enumclaw, who was our rivals. It was the day before we were wrestling them. Um, our coach kind of teaches us this new technique pass- package. I will, I'll spare you the details, but I liked it, and I thought, you know what? I might try that. Um, when people do that to me, it gives me trouble, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to maybe incorporate that. So anyways, that was the day before the match. Match day comes, and I don't remember if the varsity guy was sick or if he was injured or what, but I had to wrestle in the varsity match. 
So, as the match approached, I eyed my opponent across the gym. I'm a freshman in high school. This guy's got a mustache. <laughs> it, 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 he's, and he's, he's like hitting his head on the wall, slapping his face, slapping his chest. I don't remember what I was doing, but if someone told me I was in the fetal position weeping, I would believe him. Like, I just, I don't know what I was doing, but I was terrified. But I went out there, my, my goal probably was pretty much just don't get pinned, you know, save the team a point. Like, I, I did not have high expectations. But, and it's, it's a bit foggy, but somehow I found myself in a place where I could employ this new technique that we had just learned, which is usually a bad idea, because you need time to build the repetition and, and learn how it works. But I did it, and it worked. And so I somehow got this monster down. I put him on his back. And after the first period, I was leading five to zero. So that was amazing. Everyone has already, had already gone far beyond any expectations. So the second period begins, and I, it's, I find myself in the same position. I'm like, surely this isn't going to work again, but I'll try it. And so it worked again. And then to get out of it, he kind of rolled, kind of did like a sideways or a backwards somersault. And whether it was his fault or mine, he stayed there for just a little bit too long, and the, the referee slapped the mat. And I had pinned him. I think he pinned himself, but I'll take it. Um, but, and, and it was over, just like that. And then I started running around. Like, I didn't know what was going on. I almost ran to the other team's, like, bench area. It was, it was kind of delirious. It was my, one of my finest moments. Um, and, and it was great. I was just really excited. And, and you're saying, why do I tell you this besides to relive the glory days? Well, um, so we are um, embarking on our year of living for Jesus, and we're starting with prayer. And, and this summer, we're talking about wrestling with God in prayer. And we're going to be in the Psalms for the most part. And I think we all like the idea of Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. It says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Now, I won't ask you to raise your hands, but there are some of us here where this speaks to the passion and the thirst of our hearts. And if that's you, that's wonderful. Our summer series is going to take you to a mountain spring each week and you are going to be filled up and you're going to drink freely and it's going to be wonderful. See, there are two kinds of people. It's interesting. This could be a sermon illustration, I guess. Um, But there are two kinds of people who, who really can't seem to get enough when it comes to drinking. And, and one is that it's those who are dying of thirst and then there, is who, there are those who have tasted and seen that this is really good and they want to drink more. Like the first time I had horchata, I couldn't get enough horchata for a long time. Some of you are great prayers. This is right up your alley and you are going to be blessed this summer. I promise you that. Others of you are dying to connect with God. Life is hard, you're desperate, or you're just longing to reconnect with him where you feel like you're in that dry place. I think this summer will bring and breathe new life into your prayer life and that thirst will be satisfied. Or at least it'll be wet enough that you'll be in that place where you want more and more of God. But there's a third group here. When you see this, you're like, it doesn't resonate with me. Your prayer life is stale, it's boring, maybe even non-existent. I mean, we all go there from time to time, but that seems like where you are most of the time. And even when you're faithful to pray, it's duty and it's not delight. And I can't make any guarantees, but I know my prayer for you this summer 
is that your prayer life would be revitalized as well. And I think one of the reasons our prayer lives can be stale is that often we decide to, um, we feel bound by unwritten prayer rules. For example, we approach God tentatively or, or we rarely express maybe our frustration with him. Like maybe we would share our greatest joys with our family or we would share our greatest fears with our girlfriends or we would share our frustration and our anger with the fellas, but when it comes to God, we hold back. So of course, something's lacking in our prayer life. We, we treat him more like a bank teller as opposed to our loving father that we just heard about in that wonderful video. See, part of our problem is I think that we engage prayer with one hand tied behind our backs. Using my wrestling lingo, we don't use all the technique that is available to us. And technique's a little crass. This summer is not about prayer technique. But what we're going to do is we're going to see a whole bunch of different kinds of prayers in the Bible that will help us actually explore the depths of what's going on inside of us emotionally and how we respond to God through that and in that. And we see this unchanging God who is the steadying force for us in our highs and our lows. And so today is is one more intro week, and we're going to see the difference that a vital prayer life can make. It has the power to change our lives by God's strength. So over the next 10 weeks of summer after this, we're going to go through and look at prayers from the Psalms that can serve as resources for our own prayer lives. But for today, we're in Ephesians. So go ahead and turn there, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. I think the ushers will bring, yeah, there they are. They're hiding back there. So raise your hand. The ushers will be happy to bring you a loner. Ephesians 3.14. As you're turning there, uh, just a little intro here. Power is a central theme in Ephesians. And in this passage, we're looking at the power to have our lives shaped. It's Paul's prayer for the Ephesians, a second one, not the same one that Mike did last week. Um, And it's it's a prayer for us as well. And one of the ways we're going to see Paul's prayer come to fruition is that we'll actually pray, among other things. So we're going to hear his prayer, and then we're going to look at how some of the prayers that we'll deal with this summer, we'll see some of the answers to Paul's prayer come to fruition. So let's look at this power to change our lives. The first point there, if you're taking notes, (laughs) um, is to recognize God's power. Recognize God's power. Now, before we get to our passage, um, a little context. Paul has been teaching on how God is joining two groups of people together as one, Jew and Gentile, didn't like each other much. Paul's saying, hey, you are going to be one people. And they're saying, how's that going to happen? He's like, well, it's going to be God's power. There's really nothing else that could unify a people so different. And so it's going to be God's power. It's going to be messy. It's going to be hard. And so it's going to take God's power to see it through. And so Paul then as he, as he moves us into that, this discussion of prayer, he's going to focus us on two aspects of who God is that frames who he's praying to. And so first we see that God's, God's power is personal. God is Father, fitting for today, verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. So he's personal, but then he's also sovereign. The Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. The point here being that God, as the father would be head over a family, God is the head over every family in all of creation. He's in charge. He's sovereign. He's the boss. So he's personal. He's the father and he's almighty. That's a great combination. This is the one to whom Paul prays. And now we want to look at what he prays for. 
that was the first point. The rest will not be that short, so don't get too excited. But he prays next for power to be given to us. So first Paul prays, the first thing Paul asks, which is our second point, is that we would receive the power to renovate. Receive the power to renovate. I preached this message last week at the branch. I tried to come up with nice, pithy sermon points there. Um, I didn't have them then either. So it's just how it works, but it's what the text teaches, so we'll be fine. So now, as we talk about this power to renovate, it is time for this almighty father to go to work. So Paul asks God to work on behalf of the Ephesians. Paul loves them. He prays for them. This is what he prays. Verses 16 and the first part of 17. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, in the Greek, in the English, we see several sentences, several verses. A bunch of those are clumped into one long sentence in Greek, and so it's pretty challenging grammatically, but there are two actual petitions, two things that he's actually asking. And this first one is that we would be strengthened in our inner person, that, that we would be shaped in the core of who we are, that our hearts are spirits, the depth of our being. He's praying for the power that we would be reshaped in the most essential part of us to actually look like Jesus. Mike talked about this last week, and today we have this tremendous image that brings this to life. See, because when we do this, when we're reshaped in our inner being, the purpose for that is so that Christ can make his home in us by faith. Now, there are different words for dwelling in Greek. One of them is like pitch a tent. And the other one, the one that's used here, is like make residence. So, so the idea is that Christ wants to make your heart his home. He's not renting. It's not a two-year lease. He's buying. And he's going to reshape you into the kind of person that he's called you to be. So now some, some of the, you might be thinking here, wait a minute, this letter's written to Christians. He's saying so that Christ can be made home. Isn't he already in our hearts? And, and yes, um, just a little, little bit of theology here. There's what, what the theologians call already not yet. Um, not very helpful, I know, but it, it will be. Um, but the idea is that yes, let me pause. I'm getting ahead of myself. The, the idea of how history worked in, in, the, in the Jewish mind frame of Jesus' time, was that there was this present evil age. It's where the sin, it's the mess of the muck that we live in. And then God steps into history right here, and there is the age to come. It's very simple. Boom, boom, two parts. So what, what, what they didn't understand is that Jesus came, and he brought the age to come, but he didn't end this present evil age. So it was no longer a two-parter. There's, Alan, I need you. Um, and let's see, Garrick, why don't you come up as well? Come on up here. I'm butchering it with words, so I'm going to use illustrations. Okay, so arm out, fingertip to fingertip. Alan, I'm sorry. You're the present evil age. Okay, so Alan is the present evil age. Garrick is the age to come. Right here is where God steps in and makes everything right. Okay, that, that makes sense? So what happened is that Jesus came over here, take a couple steps, and now we've got an overlap. So Jesus came, the cross, the resurrection right here, the age to come. One day this present evil age will end. That's eternity. That's over here. So we're living right in this space right now. We're, okay, thank you guys. Thank you. Give him a hand. So, so 
So we're living in the fact that we deal with sin, but we still experience some of the blessings of eternity. So yes, Jesus is at home in us already, but it's not yet all that he's intended and all, all that he's going to do in us. Does that make sense? Okay, good, because that's all I got. So, um, so, so um, Christ is in our hearts, but we're participating with the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit to make him feel a little bit more at home each day as we live out, live out our faith by putting off the old, putting off the flesh, and putting on the virtues of Christ. Jesus wants to make your heart a home, not just a house. So I was on the Mexico building team last week. It was a wonderful trip. Again, if you haven't been, please go. Um, the family we were, we were building for, they lived in a pretty makeshift home. Um, plastic on the roof. You, it's, it's the one on the right. So you can see they just had... Um, you can't see the roof, but it was just plastic with some things that looked like big rubber bands to hold the plastic down. Um, a sheet or some type of things serving as a front door, maybe some old curtains. Random pieces of plywood to patch up different holes. Um, old garage doors. It, it, this was for a family of five. It was small. It was shelter, but it wasn't much for a home. So we showed up. The cement pad was already there. They had done that beforehand. Then we framed some solid walls. We put sheeting on the outside. Then we put a roof on and we put some shingles on the roof. Put some sheetrock inside. Trim around the windows. Solid front door. And then we did some nice touches to make it beautiful on the inside. Painted by everybody. Had a hand in the painting. Now it's up to that family to make it a home, but it's different. It's, it's new. It's been reshaped. That's what we're looking at here. Jesus is in you, but it's a little cramped. Walls are cobbled together. The foundation's shaky. Plastic is on the roof, and we've got a sheet for a door. It's not a pretty sight, even though we may be doing the best we can. And yet, God wants, by his power, through faith, to begin shaping you, restoring you. You've heard of man caves, right? Well, he wants to turn you into a Messiah cave. He wants to make you perfectly fit for him. That's what Paul's praying for. And that's a huge request. It's a bit of an overwhelming request, actually, but I skipped a little bit ahead because what makes it overwhelming is when we think that we need to do it ourselves. But if you look right before this, it says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you. It's his, out of his riches. It's, it's not ours. So in that sense, we have all the resources we need. When we were in Mexico, Yugo is a well-run organization, and so they know how much materials are needed for each job. So really, there's like a couple scraps of sheetrock, an extra pack of tiles for if something goes wrong with the roof in the future, and not much else. My daughter made something that she wanted to bring home, so I've got that too, but it's not, there's not much um, extra if we decided, hey, you know what? We want to put another floor on this. Hugo told us, if you want to do that, Home Depot's down the street. Like that's, you would have to go figure that out. It's not part of the package. And they're a well-run organization. That's the way it should be. But I use that to contrast. Maybe what we're talking about here is if we decide, you know what? I'm going to build a doghouse. And I'm going to build my doghouse right outside of Home Depot. And so you start building your doghouse and you get it done. You're like, you know what? I think I could use an addition for the doghouse. No sweat. You're right outside Home Depot. That's what we're talking about here with this reshaping, this renovation of our hearts. We don't have, we have the resources of our heavenly father. It's not on us. 
It's not down. We don't have to count nails. He has more than we need to do what needs doing. Now, I don't know about you, but this is exciting to me. That God wants to do an extreme home makeover in me. As a follower of Jesus, that's something that should stir us. But it isn't something that just happens. We need to respond. And there are many exercises, disciplines, whatever you want to call them, that that help in this process. But um, we're, we're focusing on prayer this summer, so that's the one I just want us to think through for just a minute. But as we commit ourselves to a life of prayer, we're going to see some shaky foundations restored. We're going to see some of the furniture moved around. One of the things we'll talk about is a prayer of silence. Think about sitting down long enough to be silent before God, to just stop and listen. And maybe what you need to hear in that space is just a word of affirmation from your heavenly father that you've got some holes in the walls of your life that need some patching and you just need to hear from God that he loves you. We'll look at the prayer of silence. One of the things that happens in the silence too is maybe it's not that word of affirmation. Maybe it's like, hey, have you considered you know, these dusty dark corners where you're kind of letting sin take root and maybe that's where the rats are hanging out. And that leads us then to a prayer of confession, which we'll look at as well, where we say, God, I I see that. And I recognize that isn't honoring to you. And I want to repent. And I want to turn from that. We'll look at that kind of prayer as well. Maybe the foundation's shaky. We're desperate. We're doubtful. We'll look at those prayers too. They're all over the Psalms. See, God isn't scared of your doubt, so you don't need to be either. That's something we can bring to him. And he can begin to work and change us in that process. Sometimes, we don't talk about this much, but I mean, this week might be a fitting one where we're furious that we are angry and we want revenge. There's some of those prayers in the Psalms where you're like, should they have taken this out? Like, and, and, and there are some just very deep, angry Psalms where David's saying, break their teeth, Lord, and worse than that. We're going to look at those as well. We're, 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 we're going to, talk about those prayers for vengeance. See, God uses scripture-soaked prayer as a vital tool in the renovation of our lives. Renovating a house isn't tidy. Renovating a person even less so. So this is going to be messy. But God is with us throughout the process, and that's why we pray. He's giving us the power. He's carrying us along. So I don't know about you, but this is exciting, but it's also a little daunting. Like, this is a big project. Um, I've got to have some degree of motivation if I'm going to make that kind of mess. I mean, it's basically what I'm getting at here. I'm good at making messes if we're talking about, like, crumbs on the couch, but when it's home improvement messes, I'm not nearly as eager to jump into those, right? But that's what we're looking at here. So this, this leads us to the next aspect of Paul's prayer for the Ephesians, and that is receive the power to grasp. Receive the power to grasp. Again, weird sermon point, but that's what the text tells us. Give me a second and it'll make sense. But before we get grabby here, um, we need to be grounded. And that's what Paul says. He, He wants them rooted and established in love. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. See, I told you. Rooted is agricultural. Established is architectural, like a good foundation. 
So this request that Paul's going to make next is absolutely crazy. And so he makes sure now that it's tethered to a solid foundation, a strong root system. Because we live in a world where, where perhaps one of our highest stated values um, is, is love. But often it's a rootless, unfounded love. See, our love is, is misdefined as to make much of someone as opposed to want what's best for someone. So we celebrate all kinds of things because we want people to feel good about themselves and celebrate them just as they are. And I want to be honest, there is something beautiful about that. God loves you right where you are, not some future version of you. So yes, God loves us right where we are, but he also loves us too much to leave us there. His purpose is not to make much of us. His purpose is to not celebrate us, but to pursue what's best for us, and that is being conformed into the image of Jesus. That's the kind of love that's rooted, that's anchored, that's established in the truth and character of God. And this is important. It's got to be rooted. It's got to be anchored because it's about to blow up into something big here. So now that we're rooted and established, what does Paul ask? I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's people. So this is a group project here to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Paul's asking that they would understand the expanse of God's love. Now notice what this isn't. This isn't us pumping ourselves up to love God more. This is not on us. This is a matter of us comprehending how much love God is pouring down upon us. I mean, where do you start with that? How big and deep and wide and long is God's love? It's immeasurable. We have a better shot of measuring the ocean with a teaspoon or outer space with a tape measure. It's, it's Paul's asking the impossible, but he's asking it anyways. God's love is immeasurable. But in another one of Paul's letters in Romans, we see that it isn't some foggy, misty, gassy kind of unsubstantial love. It's a powerful love as well. Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's love is unbreakable, and it is inescapable. It's absolutely overwhelming. Now, if we have that kind of love that is unrooted and without foundation, we can run all kinds of directions with this. But God's love is rooted. It is established, which means it has a purpose. Our next verse tells us that purpose. Verse 19, And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. See, loving God's, Jesus loving us isn't just so we feel good about ourselves, although how empowering and wonderful is that to know that God loves us deeply right where we are. It isn't so that we are self-realized that it will give us more insight into who we are for ourselves than we could possibly, more, more than we probably want. But it's to shape us, to fill us with the fullness of God. It's so that we would look like him. So, so not only is our heart being renovated to make it a fitting abode of Jesus, but just like a well-lit house in the evening, Jesus living in us is going to light up and illuminate and radiate out around us 
ideally so that people will see Jesus in us. But again, this doesn't just happen. We have to get about the grasping that he's praying that we would grasp. And so as our prayers are shaped by the Psalms this summer, again, obviously we are in the word, we are in community, there are others, but as we have a prayer focus right now, um, we're going to expand our knowledge and experience of God's love as we look at some of these prayers this summer. Because that's what he says, this knowledge here is an experiential knowledge. We can know all the facts about God's love, but what he's talking about is that we would experience God's love. And so we'll have Thanksgiving in July when we'll look at prayers of Thanksgiving. And we'll look at Psalms of Thanks. And we'll see how God has blessed us and we begin to grasp his love a little better, even if we can't quite get our arms around it. Part of experiencing his love is also remembering the things he's done and how he's been at work in our lives. So we'll look at prayers of remembering Jesus tells us that the Father will give good gifts to those who ask him. He's not going to give us a snake when we ask for a fish. He's not going to give us a stone when we ask for a loaf of bread. And so we'll talk about prayers of asking. And as we ask God and we make requests of him and we see his responses to those, we're going to understand, wow, his love is very tangible. It's very real. God's love is overwhelming. It's like this flood that in many ways would be out of control, but with his power, it can be channeled in such a way that it's transformative for us and it can shape us. And prayer is one of the huge ways that we experience this love. So Paul prays that our loving Almighty Father would strengthen us, that we might experience this heart renovation that makes our hearts a home for Jesus, and that we would somehow get hold of the unholdable love of God. You guys are good church folks, so you're probably not doing this, but some of you are like raising your eyebrow a little bit like, really? Really? Like, do you know the person sitting next to me? Like, that request is just a little bit lofty. Well, Paul anticipates your objection. And so our final point is recognize God's power. Yes, again, I know it's a repeat. But verses 20 and 21, Paul emphasizes it again. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power, that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. It all comes back to God. Of course you can't do this. None of us can. We were never intended to. But God is able. And so we go to him. We lean on him. We trust in him. It's an impossible task, but we belong to a God for whom the impossible is routine. That's why we praise him. And yes, we'll focus on also those psalms of praise and worship as well. And when we recognize who he is, as we delight in him, we're going to be stunned anew at the fact that he loves us. And we'll be emboldened again as we realize that not only does he love us, but he's more than able to to firm up that shaky foundation to fix those leaks in the roof, to take care of those holes in the wall, to get rid of the rats in our life. So this summer, we're going to learn how to wrestle with God in prayer. And we're going to learn a lot of different ways. We're going to see a lot of different ways the psalmist did it. And we're going to see a lot of the junk and a lot of the great stuff in our life that we maybe don't recognize all the time. And we're going to bring that to the surface and we're going to give that to God. And he's going to do something amazing in each of us. So recognize his power. 
receive the power to renovate, receive the power to grasp his love, and then all over again, because it's what it's ultimately all based on and dependent upon, is recognize his power again. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your word as it challenges us, as it seems to set um, impossible obstacles in our path, only to remind us that they're not impossible for you and you're the one to carry us anyways. And so, Lord, as we recognize that we have a whole bunch of stuff in our life, that we have different challenges and we have um, different fears, maybe even some great things happening, that you're with us in all of that. So help us to not be afraid of it, but to walk with you in that. And may we see great transformation today even, but also as we look at that, this throughout the summer. So we thank you for the work you're going to do. We thank you for the work that you've already done today. In Jesus' name, amen.